Hi, everybody. Thank you for listening. This is that UFP show that talks about the NXT show, and this is episode 85 of the Undisputed Future Podcast. I am your host, C.D. Danny Mac, the voice that is your choice for NXT discussion. Guys, what a major month May has been for NXT thus far. We are coming up quickly on NXT TakeOver 25. And according to Triple H, it will take place at the Webster Arena in Bridgeport, Connecticut due to apparently WWE scheduling conflicts. And number one, I appreciate them being so upfront about this issue because it was initially rumored to be taking place in San Jose. San Jose has been a haven for some of the first bigger outside of Full Sail NXT events, so it would have been an ideal situation for them to host it in San Jose. But a selfish reason why I'm so happy about it is because Bridgeport, Connecticut is a mere hour and a half, maybe two hours drive away, and I will be attending thanks to Balor Club Guy and his insight on the Webster Arena, as well as a pre-sale code. It is Thursday, May 9th, and the pre-sale is currently going on. Let me give you the code of WWE BPT. So if you're listening to the show as soon as it's posted, I'll be sure to get this up as quickly as I possibly can. Jump on the pre-sale, see what's still available before the general on-sale tickets become available. And I cannot wait for this TakeOver event. I cannot believe we're at NXT TakeOver number 25, number 26 if we're counting NXT Arrival, but nevertheless, 26 NXT events taking place on the WWE Network. What a major milestone, and I just wouldn't feel right if it was within traveling distance, reasonable traveling distance, and I didn't attend, so I scooped up my tickets as soon as I possibly can. I hope all of you who can attend and are able to attend do attend, and uh, just all the best to luck with everybody purchasing tickets and, of course, safe travels to the event. Uh, We're talking both episodes of May this episode on 80. I like to do something special when it comes to episode anything that ends in a zero and a five. Uh, This just so happened to work out that I'm covering two episodes at once. If you're a familiar listener, it's not the first time I've done this kind of a situational circumstance. Uh, Number one, I just haven't been feeling so well myself. Number two, there is a countless number of construction that appears to be going on around my house and it's kind of been seeping into the area of my home that I use to record. So it's just kind of been bad timing. But this Thursday morning, I'm able to secure just a little bit of quiet. I double, triple checked and tested to make sure that no additional background noise would seep in to this podcast episode. So thank you all for listening again. And let's jump into the May 1st edition of NXT. May Day, as it is known and... uh let me tell you, some people were craw- were crying out for May Day by the end of this one. And uh, Humberto Carrillo, Danny Birch, and Oni Lorcan might be on this list, taking on the whole trio of the Forgotten Sons, Wesley Blake, Steve Cutler, and Jackson Riker. This all coming about because Humberto Carrillo, I 
not the ideal opponent for Jackson Riker, but was his opponent on the last televised episode of May NXT TV, and Jackson Riker not really caring about the results of the match, just absolutely manhandling Carrillo on the outside, and the one-two punch who has history with the Forgotten Sons as it is not taking too kindly to these actions, so they decided to form a makeshift alliance. And the two brawling styles of Birch and Lorcan combined with the speed and luchador style of Humberto Carrillo, I thought this was a really interesting trio. The Forgotten Sons all kind of share a similar style, but you have this, and I'm using this pun non-intentionally due to what's happened on Raw and SmackDown this week, but Humberto Carrillo appears to be the wild card in this match. Talking about this match though, Lorcan hitting hard and fast, laying it all out on the line as he tends to do. Lorcan trying to perceive himself as a number one contender for the cruiserweight division as well. And I'm really interested in how that's going to play out because Carrillo and Lorcan currently belong to the same brands. So I'm really wondering if in a future number one contender scenario, these two may have to face off. So just a, just a bit of a uh, talking point. There, this makeshift team did put the trio of the Suns on notice. In my estimation, kind of unexpected chemistry for this team to just blend. But when you have a common enemy that is perceived to be as dangerous and has shown that they can be dangerous, such as the Forgotten Suns have, you need to really lay it all out on the line. But this chemistry, unfortunately, would not last long. The momentum would build and Carrillo, with a head full of steam, would dive to the outside, but that familiar friendship of the Forgotten Sons would pay off and cause a miscommunication and an unfortunate mistake into Oni Lorcan. But this opportunity would provide Danny Birch with a chance to show off how tough the British veteran really is. Birch all alone with the three sons, but not backing down a single ounce. The chaos would ensue, Birch would do all he can to stand his ground, but this chaos would lead to a vicious series of dual power bombs. The power bomb into the backstabber in the corner, which I honestly haven't decided whether I'm a fan of the move as a concept yet, but I do recognize how unique it is in the tag team division. But a triple stomp reverse DDT maneuver, that's really all she wrote for the team of Lorcan, Birch, and Carrillo. Wesley Blake would pin Danny Birch for the W. And the Forgotten Sons kind of seem to be heading in a winning direction here. And just to change up the format a little bit, let's jump slightly ahead to the most recent edition of May 8th NXT television, where the Viking Raiders, the War Raiders, the Viking War Raiding Experience, whatever we're supposed to call them between two shows having two different names, I'm really surprised that Eric Rowe and Ivar Hansen haven't just been tossed up in the air and recognized as these guys' official names. I'm really not a fan of having to call these guys two different things, but one thing you can certainly call them is NXT Tag Team Champions, and the Forgotten Sons have put them on notice. A vicious backstage parking lot assault, Jackson Riker driving a pickup truck as a sort of diversion would open the opportunity for Blake and Cutler to really sink their teeth into Hanson 
and Rowe and Jackson Riker, of course, making the power known to this powerhouse tag team. So the Viking Raiders are on notice, and clearly the Forgotten Sons not over their disappointing setback in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Cup. They want that NXT Tag Team Championship around their shoulders. And one thing, I like like the segment. It shows that simplicity works. It shows how easy a rivalry can be to build with just a short interaction and clip. And I'm sure it was just for the sake of making a more intimidating presence. But if the Forgotten Sons are going for the character angle that I believe they're going for, wouldn't a fleet of motorcycles, or at least maybe Blake and Riker showing up, and then maybe Cutler comes out with a steel chair to initiate an assault? I mean, I've referred to them as the Forgotten Sons of Anarchy before, so I'm kind of just thinking the Biker Club scenario would, uh, would really benefit these guys, but I'm not really sure how deep they're trying to dive in to the character in that respect. But nevertheless, it does seem to be foreshadowing what we can see as a possible NXT Tag Team Championship match. And with the Viking Raiders and their presence on Raw being known, kind of nervous that the Forgotten Sons might be champions a little bit sooner than some fans, including myself, would like to see. The Raiders continuing their undefeated streak on NXT, possible the May 15th edition next week will feature the Viking Raiders in action and presumably just a squash match for them to send a message to the Forgotten Sons and let them know that the war continues and the raid will go on and really just wanting to stamp down the point that this NXT Tag Team Championship title reign will continue. And honestly, depending on the tandem that the Forgotten Sons send in, to a foreseeable tag team title opportunity. I don't know how well Blake and Cutler would do against such large opponents and large men who don't just move like large men. We have seen the athleticism that Hansen's able to display. We've seen it on both ends, row two, row with springboards and all this unexpected offense that the, that the Viking Raiders can bring to the table. So I'm thinking... Maybe Jackson Riker breaks off from being the singles match representation and Riker and Blake can be the representing tag team. Wesley Blake, as I've mentioned before, and as some of you may be familiar with, Wesley Blake is a former NXT tag team champion in his own right back in the days of the Blake and Murphy factor. You wouldn't know it based on how much Buddy Murphy and Alexa Bliss have progressed, but Wesley Blake can be a major tag team player and does have the experience in the world of NXT title reigns. So any possible combination of these teams is possible. I would really like to see a kind of free bird rule initiated, kind of like when Sanity was fighting for the NXT tag team titles and they had their respective title reign. RIP Sanity, never forget. What the hell are they doing with Killian Dane, Alexander Wolfe, and why Eric Young hasn't made his presence known on Monday Night Raw since being drafted or shaken up, excuse my sports terminology on that one, is uh, just probably a topic for another podcast. Let's shift gears though. Let's jump into the women's division. Kathy Kelly trying to get a word out of the NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler, the two-time NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler, just in case she's listening. I don't want anything uh, 
The last thing I want to be is on Shayna Baszler's bad side. The two-time champion, the first ever two-time champion, kind of being questioned if she had any remorse for Io Shirai or Kairi Sane. Kind of a self-explanatory question. The Queen of Spades spares no one and has remorse for absolutely no one. And Shayna Baszler, quite frankly, not taking too kindly to Kathy Kelly and the fact that Io Shirai has pinned her. Not a statistic that Shayna Baszler wants thrown in her face, even if it was in the circumstance of tag team action. Io Shirai has pinned the Queen of Spades and current NXT Women's Champion. So Shirai making her point that she can be a contender despite all of the sneak attacks and blatant assaults from the Queen's Army. There's really no other way to sugarcoat this. Io Shirai has been through absolute hell since she has locked up with Shayna Baszler. Pinning her and getting that victory may have been a major mistake in the NXT career of Io Shirai. Just trying to stand up for her friends at the ends of the most recent NXT Women's Championship defense, Shirai could come to regret that decision. And just in case I didn't make sure how much Shayna Baszler did not take kindly to Kathy Kelly's remarks about her being pinned by Io Shirai, mic drop, a forced mic drop, a mic slap from Baszler to Kelly. And uh, I've worked in IT a little bit. I haven't worked in audio as long as I've worked there. But I know that microphones are not cheap, even in WWE's world standards. So... Maybe send Baszler the bill that she can crumple up and throw back in your face. Uh, Shout out to Jessamyn Duke during this segment, though, on the absolutely badass Bruce Lee t-shirt. Really wondering where I can get one of those myself. More women's division action. I want to talk about this next segment before the match because Bianca Belair and Mia Yim did have a heated confrontation before their May 8th edition of NXT matchup, but I'll get to that before I jump all the way in to the most recent action of NXT TV. I want to discuss an unexpected singles match that I really, really enjoyed. Dominic Dijakovic versus Mansoor. Mansoor, a talent we've seen on NXT TV before, not really getting the spotlight that he's able to display his abilities in But this was kind of a David versus Goliath match, and I am a huge fan of those matches. Maybe it's because I'm a skinny guy myself. Maybe it's because I like the whole chopping down the tree and executing all the foreseeable offense you can predict against a larger opponent and trying to break down every single possible scenario to win. I thought Mansoor handled this excellent, even though Dijakovic clearly was looking to end this one early. Mansoor, obviously watching the last match, was aware of that vicious Cyclone boot. Able to avoid that, and really this minimal momentum that Mansoor got in the beginning really stacked up, and a lot of grit, a lot of determination, not caving early, kicking out of some moves that we have seen Dijakovic win with in the past. So Mansoor is a talent to watch. I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I am behind in my NXT UK television coverage, and I've admitted this several times, I'm not as caught up on that product as I would like to be, but I believe Mansoor made a successful debut on NXT UK 
most recently, and I'm really wishing him all the best of luck. He has great fast offense. Unfortunately, the fast offense and the aerial attack can be easily countered when you're dealing with an opponent, the size and the viciousness that Dijakovic is able to execute. Dijak destroying once again, feasting his eyes on another victory. What a vicious variation of the GTS that this man is able to execute. I really like that move. Just that slight little twist, and I kind of mean that literally, that Dijakovic puts on the GTS and forcing the opponent to feast their eyes on his large knee. Dijakovic, another win on his way to the North American Championship. Dijakovic has made it known in the past that he has his eyes set on the Velveteen Dream and that North American Championship. Before I talk about the most recent news with Dijakovic, I need to express the brilliance of the Velveteen Dream. The Dream, the Washington, D.C. native, just another small tidbit that made this segment even more brilliant, rehearsing his own audition of the United States National Anthem. Now, I I don't have fast enough thumbs to try and type out every single aspect and every single verse of the National Dream, the National Anthem, the Velveteen Anthem, the National Dream. I don't know what to call it, but it was clever wordplay. It was a couple of direct shots at Dijakovic while praising himself and his North American Championship reign I was a big fan of this segment. I was thoroughly entertained. I love the couch draped in velvet. And I don't know who these women are, but I've seen them get recognition on Twitter before. They are performance center talents. As soon as I have names on them, I will be sure to mention them because I really don't think this will be the first or last time we see the velvet couch of the champion. So Dream versus Dijakovic, a foreseeable match for NXT TakeOver's North American Championship defense. Unfortunately, reading this week and watching his video on Twitter, Dijakovic suffering what I believe was deemed a ACL injury. I'm going to have to double-check this information, but I know that it was something in his leg, something that will put him out of action for the foreseeable future. But really, it was a motivational video. He admits to this injury, but he does not see this as a setback. He sees this as motivation. And that's the mindset I like. That's the mindset I respect. The getting knocked down, getting the rug swept out from under you due to circumstances in life. We've all been there. We've all been presented with opportunities that don't play out exactly as we foresee them to. Hell, it just happened to me very, very recently. So just a little bit of motivation and a really positive outlook at the setback, I really, really respect Dijakovic for having this kind of mindset and seeing this as a motivational and driving tool for the rest of his NXT career. So Dijakovic versus Dream seems to be scrapped at the moment. Uh, give me your thoughts on who you think should step up as the next North American Championship contender. Dijakovic having injuries affects two of his most recent rivalries. Keith Lee, unfortunate injury on his, unfortunate timing on his injury, kind of putting that rivalry on hold as well. 
So Dream needs a new opponent at podcast underscore UF is the Twitter. Give me your thoughts on a possible next contender for the North American Championship. The deck is so stacked with talent in NXT right now, I can see a number of people stepping up to the Velveteen Dream for a North American Championship opportunity, including both of these men who I will discuss their amazing main events in just a matter of moments. Adam Cole, Bebe, the inaugural North American Champion, possibly looking for a second run with that title. Um... Matt Riddle would give us a rematch from TakeOver New York. Either of those scenarios I am fine with, but Adam Cole seems to reveal, seems to revere himself, excuse me, as the uncrowned NXT champion. He got the first pinfall, any other matchup that would have been an automatic championship result, but no, you had to really prove yourself and beat me twice, Johnny, blah, 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 and uh, a little bit of a flashback to the undisputed tension of last week. Adam Cole striking Roderick Strong in his match with now NXT champion Johnny Gargano. And, of course, we know the dude crew as this kind of fraternity, ragging on each other, but still having the most respect and love for each other. And uh, we fall, we fall together, we rise, we rise together. But you didn't see a lot of that in this promo on May 1st. We saw a lot of... Regarding Johnny Gargano's luck and all the previous stuff I talked about aside, the focus on the future claiming to be stronger than ever, but still knocking Roderick Strong and his loss last week, even though it was at the foot, maybe the hands, but literally the foot of Adam Cole that cost Roderick Strong a presumed victory over the now NXT champion. Roddy unhappy with the claim of dropping the ball in this matchup, whether it was a joke and a rib by his dude crew member, whether it was one of those, this is totally a fact, but I'm going to present it as a joke kind of scenarios that we've all been known to to drop in the face of our really good friends once in a while. Roddy clearly unhappy with the comments. The undisputed tension continues, and I haven't even talked about the main event between Adam Cole and Matt Riddle on this most recent edition of NXT. Great match, but kind of posting a similar result. I'll get to that in a second. A really anticipated debut on NXT, the Japanese phenom Kushida would take on Cassius Ono. And of course, Cassius Ono sees the opportunity to play with a shiny new toy, Brought to the universe of NXT, Cassius wanting to step up and be Kushida's first opponent. And really at this stage, I can't see any better opponent for a debuting NXT star than Cassius Ono. Cassius having a great series of matches with Matt Riddle. The win-loss record on his side, not exactly great. The original bro able to put a couple wins on his belt over Ono and Kushida looking to do the same thing. These are two veterans, a decade plus experience on each side, really hard hitting affair. The size difference was apparent, but it was good chemistry. I really can't wait to see more. Honestly, really hoping that Cassius's series with new talents could continue. 
this, oh, one's not good enough, you just got lucky on your first match on NXT TV, I want a rematch, I could see that being a continued pattern in Cassius Ono's current NXT career. Cassius would be sized up and knocked down by Kushida, this unique 90 degrees perpendicular to the ground's Kimura lock that Kushida locks on. I believe it's called the hoverboard lock. Um, I'm going to have to double check my naming on that, but if it is that maneuver's name, it goes great with the time splitter gimmick and character that Kushida has. This futuristic superstar and also a tribute name to one of my personal favorite uh, PlayStation 2 and original Xbox titles. One of those first-person shooters that kind of, I think, was a hidden gem. I don't think the Time Splitter series got as much recognition as it deserves, but this is not a video game podcast. This is a wrestling podcast, so I'm going to skip over that for a little while. The Kimura hoverboard lock would secure the victory for Kushida, and one Easter egg that Moro Ranallo pointed out on com- on commentary that I did not know about Kushida is that he is a fan of Japanese legendary pitcher and current New York Yankee. I apologize to anybody in the Boston area or anywhere in the American League East area that may be listening to this show, but I'm incredibly biased when it comes to the Yankees. So being a big Masahiro Tanaka fan and delivering that wind-up punch in his honor, that immediately makes me a bigger fan of Kushida than I already was. Just a little bit of my personal discovery about Kushida, it was kind of random, to be quite honest. I fell into, I remember it, and it happened maybe, uh, I want to say maybe six to eight months ago. At this point, I came across Kushida going down a YouTube rabbit hole of just constant wrestling highlights and watching the Will Ospreay versus Ricochet space battle Dragon Ball Z straight out of Marvel Comics matchup that got so much internet claim and appraise depending on where you search. I mean, my circle of followers really seem to enjoy it and the timeline is different for everybody. So I'm not going to say that it was a universally loved match, but I really enjoyed it. And just kind of going off that, just diving into some more NJPW and Ring of Honor just match after match and highlight video after highlight video. The one thing that I was really, really sold on was Kushida versus Will Ospreay. And I believe it was the Super Sweet 16 tournament from 2017. I think it was the Sweet 16 from 17 that really made me a fan of Kushida. Just a really Really great match with Will Ospreay. That was the first match in full of Kushida's that I have watched, and I really couldn't think of a better opponent to discover a great talent from than Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay, one of my favorite wrestlers outside of WWE. I grew up a diehard Rey Mysterio fan, still am to this very day. So I really enjoyed his interaction and match with Will Ospreay. Kushida would end up winning that tournament, so it was nice to see him ended in success, and I became became a fan of Kushida that day, and just elevated my fandom for Will Ospreay even more. So I cannot wait to see cannot wait to see what the future of Kushida holds on NXT Television. We will see him next week on the May fifteenth edition of NXT Television, as well as the current tag team champions in the War 
Raiders. So next week, really looking to exhibit a lot of standout talents. I'm presuming that it's going to be takeover match building worth. Um, Like I mentioned before, it's a Bridgeport, Connecticut event taking place from the Webster Arena. So New York is local enough where they advertise for it. So I have seen two matches already advertised for the event. Again, card subject to change, but you see the writing on the walls kind of on NXT television as it is. Without giving away names, the NXT Championship and NXT Women's Championship matches were spoiled for me as they are currently booked. So I'm not going to give away those on the show. If you've listened to me before, you know I live in the hashtag spoiler-free zone. I do not read the NXT taping results. I like to take this show week by week or week by week by week. And as far as my episodes are concerned, so I'm not going to say, but I'm pretty sure a lot of you fans are smart enough to figure out what the NXT Championship matchup will be and what the NXT Women's Championship matchup will be as well. With the NXT Women's Division in mind, I'm going to jump in fully to the discussion about the May 8th edition of NXT TV. It is Thursday morning. I am very happy that I woke up early enough to be able to deliver this episode and get a more immediate NXT television reaction than I've been able to give. Granted, this comes at the cost of talking two weeks in a row, but if I'm able to discuss both editions of May in episode 85, give you guys a little bit more of extended coverage, I'm more than happy to do it. Uh, Can't thank you guys enough for listening. I say we're discussing because as you're listening to me rant and just kind of, I'm sitting here talking to my dog about pro wrestling, but I'm really talking with you. I'm hoping you're saying to yourself, that's a good point, Dan. I don't agree with that at all. What the hell is this guy saying? But I'm hoping you're continuing to listen after you say this to yourself. And please feel free to reach out to me. I'm going to go through some Twitter comments at the end because I did make it known that I do want more interaction when it comes to this episode. Make any points you would like to discuss with me. I've already got a few great ones that I want to go over at the end of this May 8th edition discussion. And I'm going to jump right into women's action with Mia Yim versus Bianca Belair. And I talked about it before. This this rivalry kind of heated up. It kind of just sprung out of nowhere. From the surface, you would think Mia Yim and Bianca Belair were cool with each other, or at the very least, just kind of neutral and able to coexist as co-superstars. But this PC footage from the May 1st edition would show an entirely different side. Bianca Belair and Mia Yim getting into a heated interaction in front of NXT coach Robbie Brookside. Bianca Belair saying to keep my name out your mouth. And Mia Yim really stepping up and proving that the HBIC would prove that she is in fact IC in charge. Head bitch in charge in case anybody was curious about what HBIC stood for. And you really can't express that full nickname when it's perceived to be PG television. So this, I I love the PC footage. I love when WWE Performance Center interactions drive rivalries. It really fits the NXT narrative that these superstars are around each other all the time. That it's not just what we see backstage. It's what happens when they're training and what happens when they're putting promos together. And what happens when they're even just sparring with each other and trying out new moves. And Io Shirai would get her hands on Shayna Baszler and the Queen's Army 
during a similar interaction. I want to go in more into depth on that one right after I discuss this matchup. Mia Yim versus Bianca Belair would have the HBIC take on the EST of NXT in a really back and forth match. Really hard to predict a winner in this one. Uh, Similar attitudes and confidence was the first statistic that I want to bring up. When you're claiming to be the absolute B-E-S-T, and when the other other person's looking at themselves as the head bitch in charge, it's really just two clashing personalities, really similar, usually we're used to a yin and yang sort of when it comes to pro wrestling rivalries. We're used to that face and heel dynamic. But Mia Yim and Bianca Belair are both proving that they're going to attract whatever fans really feed in to each of their attitudes and their confidence. So I really, really thoroughly enjoyed this matchup. I thought it was really even keel up until the very last moments, which would end in controversial fashion. Bianca Belair would go to use the ropes initially, and let me tell you, Lady Ref just this week was on absolute point. Getting in everybody's face and claiming Bianca Belair, what the hell are you doing? You can't use the ropes like that. Mia Yim would go for a reverse cradle. Bianca Belair would reverse into a very similar position that she was just in, except intertwining her signature long ponytail over the second rope and using it as this pulley, this lever sort of dynamic to hold her grip and hold the cradle at the same exact time. I don't know who, what, when, or where thought of that finish, but bravo. I absolutely loved the ending of this matchup. As much as a medium fan that I am, Wu-Tang represents. I love her throwing up the butterfly wings at the beginning of the matchup. Lots of representation straight out of Carmela's kingdom of Shaolin, New York. So I really have been enjoying Mia Yim, but I would be remiss if I did not give Bianca Belair a lot of creative credit for that pinfall. I'm really hoping she thought of that herself because it was a brilliant move and really shows that that ponytail is not just used as this this kind of... It, it's really hard to suspend my disbelief when I see her whip somebody with her ponytail. I'm personally not as big of a fan of the move as I've heard a lot of people are, but pro wrestling is all about personal preference. I'm never going to put anybody down for what they perceive to be as entertaining. So I'm really, really getting used to a lot of more different ways that Bianca Belair is using the ponytail and this intertwining the ring ropes to secure the pinfall victory is definitely up there. And based on my most recent NXT and timeline on Twitter coverage, this rivalry seems to be far from over. Mia Yim and Bianca Belair, lots of social media back and forth, lots of posting of quotes and kind of kind of throwing a little bit of not-so-subtle shade at the other one. Really, really interested to see where this rivalry continues to go. And speaking of a rivalry that I cannot wait to see where it continues to go, Io Shirai showing this pitbull relentless mentality at getting her hands on Shayna Baszler. Another WWE Performance Center interaction. Jessamine Duke and Marina Shafir working on their grappling game with the current NXT Women's Champion. Shayna Baszler setting a timer, saying to go, but little did she know 
that Io Shirai would be stalking around the ring and Shirai would take a similar cheap shot that she was dealt at the hands of the Queen's Army. And this needing to show a more ruthless side of a character like Io Shirai is essential because anybody stepping up to Shayna Baszler right now could be considered the underdog. And rightfully so, the first ever two-time NXT Women's Champion. We've seen the absolute ruthlessness that Shayna Baszler delivers to her opponents. So Shirai needs to take any opportunity to get her hands and definitely assert the payback that she has to give. So I cannot wait to see what is next for this this rivalry. And the NXT women's action has been absolutely brilliant in the storyline building the past couple of weeks. Whether it's in the ring, on social media, or directly in the WWE Performance Center, give me as much as you possibly can out of these four women. Io Shirai showing that she will not back down and is set on avenging, I guess. Is that too soon to make an Avengers reference? Um, I'm just going to go with it. She's looking to avenge the last match of Kyrie Sane's NXT career by possibly taking the title off of Shayna Baszler. It's a tall order. It's not going to be an easy task, but I have a feeling that if anybody would be capable of it, it could be the genius of the sky. Shayna Baszler, maybe in the face of Kyrie, has faced a speedy and aerial opponent, but Io Shirai's high-paced offense is really different than what Kyrie Sane brings to the table. Kyrie Sane has the insane elbow, but outside outside of that, it's really just outmaneuvering and outrunning your opponent, I guess, just stepping up the speed game. And if anybody's capable of delivering that side of battle to Shayna Baszler, I really do think it can be Io Shirai. Let's shift gears into a almost a re-debut. A returning Riddick Moss would take on Raul Mendoza. And the last time we saw Riddick Moss, this was this might be where I'm getting my uh, my injuries confused. Riddick Moss had a ACL injury in, I believe Morrow mentioned, May of 2018. My last recollection of seeing Riddick Moss on NXT TV was when the my personally deemed big money athletes tag team of Riddick Moss and Tino Sabatelli. Tino Sabatelli walking out on Riddick Moss, pretty much saying he's not worth his time anymore. Honestly, looking forward to where that was going, just timing is everything, injuries happen, that fierce bitch known as reality does rear her ugly head, and Tino Sabatelli, unfortunately, in that same boat, I believe they were working on a different role, I'm not sure where Tino is in the world of NXT right now, but I did see a lot of improvement, the heat that Tino would get week to week is kind of on the scale that Baron Corbin is getting on Monday Night Raw, not really sure if it's on purpose or if it's just go away. We don't want to see you here, Heat. But either way, Tino Sabatelli was getting a reaction. Riddick Moss was able to piggyback on that just like he was piggybacking on the Maserati and custom-made suits that Tino was rocking at the time. So Riddick Moss looking for a reinvention with the Riddick Regiment. And I really think that having a own be-your-own-personal-trainer sort of gimmick coming off of a recovery from an injury as serious as a torn ACL, I really think that character shows a lot of story there already. 
Riddick Moss a lot more vocal as a heel during this matchup, um, breaking out a... I'm not really sure what that was. I'm not sure if it was a heating gun or a muscle relaxer or a muscle massager during the match, but between that and the custom water bottle, I really think that a lot of elements are being added to Riddick Moss's character, and it's going to be a step-by-step process. A former football player coming around to the world of sports entertainment is not an unheard of feat, so I'm really hoping to see nothing but improvements when it comes to Riddick Moss. Gotta look at the glass half full, especially when it comes to NXT. And speaking of the glass half full, Raul Mendoza's glass has been empty in the wins column for quite some time. Really impressive talent, kind of suffering a series of losses after getting his times to shine during matchups, but never really walking away with the W. I personally see Mendoza as an up-and-coming talent that can make the same transition from NXT television to the 205 Live roster that Humberto Carrillo and Oni Lorcan have made. As of late, Mendoza does get a solid reaction in the world of Full Sail University, just not able to put the pieces together. Up until now, Mendoza, impressive each and every match, really putting things together and able to overcome and outspeed, outspeed, outquick, Anyway, Mendoza's faster than Moss. Mendoza using that to his advantage would overcome the regiments and not make it part of his diet with a slingshot corkscrew springboard to Riddick Moss. Getting the 1-2-3, Mendoza almost as surprised as everybody in full cell that he picked up the win. Really feel-good moment for Raul Mendoza. Really nice time to break out Riddick Moss and display a new gimmick. And I was kind of swerved by this one. Usually when you see a radical character change and you see a debuting character, you think, okay, Mendoza is out to take another loss to make Moss look good. Not in this case. I was pleasantly surprised with the outcome of this match. I was pleasantly surprised with the, with really the development that Riddick Moss has shown between the resistance bands and the aforementioned water bottle and muscle relaxer gun I'm not really sure what to call that. Team NXT, if you're out there and listening to this and can really pinpoint what Riddick Moss was using in there as he placed it near his pectoral and rotator cuff, please give me all the insight that you can. Maybe there's some personal trainers out there listening that are familiar with this. I don't want to call it a weapon, but it looked like a weapon. This fitness tool for, I guess, lack of a better term. I mentioned Kushida on NXT television next week. Also, his opponent has not been revealed yet, but I expect another W out of the Japanese Phenom, and I expected and was delivered a Major League main event when it comes to these two men. Adam Cole, baby, looking to to relieve his undisputed tension with a win over the original bro, Matt Riddle. This was a highly anticipated singles matchup in my book since prior to NXT TakeOver New York. We saw the writing on the walls as far as Riddle and Cole was concerned when it came to Matt Riddle's claim to the North American Championship and Adam Cole looking to reclaim the title that he sees as rightfully his. We saw, I believe, that the the week that the Fatal Five-Way took place, where Adam Cole won the right to become Johnny Gargano's contender for the NXT title, vacant at the time. We saw enough of their interaction during this matchup 
I think they were supposed to have a singles matchup that week, but of course Triple H kind of, well, actually Tommaso Ciampa's injury turned the whole world of NXT up on its head. Uh, Not a match we got to see up until this week, but it definitely delivered like I expected it to. Both of these men even had more of a story to tell going into this matchup. Both of these guys were looking to rebound since their losses at TakeOver New York. Matt Riddle losing the North American Championship opportunity to defending champion Velveteen Dream. And Adam Cole, despite looking at himself as the uncrowned champion, really has a chip on his shoulder coming into this matchup. And I gotta say, Adam Cole never has a bad match. Matt Riddle... There's a couple sides to him I really feel like I was yet to see. And this aggressive side and the strength that Matt Riddle displayed in this matchup was unbelievable. The gut wrench trio of suplexes. Already impressive enough. Then he does it again with a series of fisherman suplexes. Matt Riddle showing some unforeseen aggression when it comes to taking down the leader of the Undisputed Era. It was a great back and forth. It was really a match to build momentum and solidify a spot in the NXT title picture. And I really enjoyed the offense that these two were able to to really break out on each other. I thought the chemistry was great. This, again, was a highly anticipated matchup in my book. Not a lot of notes because I was so enthralled in this match. But I've really missed Mauro Ronaldo's Ushigoroshi call. Instead of knee to the back of the neck that we're getting on Raw and SmackDown, I really especially miss it during AJ Styles matches. I really, I I just picture the Ushigoroshi call and when I don't hear it from main roster commentary, it kind of bums me out, but not everybody's going to call the matches and the, the moves by their rightful terms. It is what it is. You do what you're told. Let's move on towards the end of this matchup. The last shot was not last call for Adam Cole. Matt Riddle able to break out of the last shot, which I'm going to nitpick a little bit here. It was called as the last shot, obviously displaying the toughness and the grit of Matt Riddle. But according to my knowledge, the last shot is a shining wizard delivered to the back of the head and the back of the neck. This was a relentless knee. It was a devastating move nonetheless. It was a great looking maneuver. It just kind of, I believe it was supposed to be a shining wizard. Just a knee strike to the front of Matt Riddle's head. Nevertheless, Riddle able to fight it off, able to overcome. And of course, here comes Roderick Strong. Maybe Roderick Strong is looking to kind of set things right in the world of the Undisputed Era. Maybe he was going out there to provide a warranted distraction To Matt Riddle, unfortunately, Roddy coming to Cole's aid would unfortunately backfire if you're looking at it from the perspective of the Undisputed Era. Riddle coming, excuse me, Roddy coming to Cole's aid would take a kick in the face from the apron and the original bro backing down both members of the Undisputed Era out there. Distracted referee, it would open up a super kick opportunity for Adam Cole, which he was able to execute, but the cover and pinfall would be reversed into the bro mission. 
little break in the action here. Team NXT just had a little bit of a panic attack because my computer would, uh, anybody familiar with using a Mac OS would be familiar with the spinning rainbow wheel of death. Just kind of got that for a couple of moments. I guess the computer sensed my hype and over-anxiousness to discuss the ending of this matchup and just kind of shut down on me. Always save your work. Always save your work as soon as you hit a good breaking point. This goes for podcasts and papers and any other assignments anybody might be working on out there, whether it's Microsoft Word, Excel, or Audacity Audio. Make sure you are saving your work as you progress because I almost lost 40 plus minutes worth of talking points. Anyway, let's get back to the matchup. Uh, Matt Riddle locking in the bro mission and Adam Cole for the third time in the last two matches he has had against an opponent in the world of NXT. He taps out. He tapped out twice to the Gargano escape. He taps out this week to the bro mission. What is going on in the world of the Undisputed Era? These guys can't seem to buy a victory as of late. Roderick Strong discussed it last week. Coming up short thanks to the step-up insecurity of Adam Cole. Roddy trying to redeem the loss that the Undisputed Era suffered. Indirectly costing Adam Cole this matchup. What is going on? Miscommunications week after week. The Undisputed tension would continue. Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish did come out looking to restore order. But this was a heated argument that no amount of armbands and t-shirts and funny references could really make up for. The undisputed tension continues. Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong walking out, storming up ahead of Adam Cole and, excuse me, Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong storming ahead of Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. Just kind of got caught up in the moment there, guys. I apologize for my mislabeling of undisputed era Members, KOR and Bobby Fish, the experienced tag team on this team. They're the tag team portion, so they know that miscommunications can happen. They know that sometimes a team just doesn't gel, and these unexpected losses do happen. I'm sure Red Dragon has had their fault lines in the past as well, and they've gotten on each other's nerves, and there's been a couple miscommunications to cost them matches but we've never seen the landscape of the Undisputed Era look like this. We haven't seen this since Roderick Strong was being persuaded to join the Undisputed Era before the last Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Cup where he teams with Pete Dunne in the finals and thus turning on the Bruiserweight to give the Undisputed Era the win and the Dusty Cup in the process. So we haven't seen this much tension between Roderick Strong and the Undisputed Era since he was a since before he was a member and this tension would continue on the outside and it was really just just watching two of your in the perspective of Fish and O'Reilly, I can only imagine that this is kind of like your two parents fighting and getting into a bitter argument and they're trying to set things straight and they're trying to st- they're trying to continue the continue the good feeling for lack of just trying to get this team back on track. But Roderick Strong taking off the Undisputed Era t-shirt, taking off the armband, throwing it on the ground and at his current brothers. You could see 
the frustration in everybody's member, in everybody's, in every member's face, rather. You could see the absolute anger in Roderick Strong's face, and you could see the frustration in Adam Cole and deeming that maybe Roddy isn't worthy of wearing the armband and the t-shirt and belonging to this brotherhood. That part being a WWE.com exclusive. So if you're listening to this podcast and haven't checked out WWE.com's coverage, be sure to check it out. Possibly regrettably, if you're a big-time Undisputed Era fan and you hate watching two of your absolute favorites fight. But this Undisputed tension just continues, and you really don't know where it's going to go. Roderick Strong, as far as member length, he is the shortest-term member of the Undisputed Era. Maybe it's a little bit easier for him to come and go. He did not make the TakeOver at TakeOver Brooklyn 3 like Adam Cole and Fish and O'Reilly have. So maybe he has a little bit less at stake when it comes to Undisputed Era. Maybe that's why it's so easy for him to get angry and just throw out the merchandise. I don't know. How I'm perceiving this and what I personally want to happen is, I mean, I'm not sure how women's friendships go, but sometimes when you have an argument with your best buddy as a guy, you just need to be in a room with each other and just scream it out or talk it out or just get really just display why you're angry with the other person. Sometimes you got to fight. Sometimes you got to duke it out with your, your best friend, your brother, your whatever male-to-male relationship you may have that is escalating to places that you don't want to see it go. Sometimes you got to fight. Sometimes you got to throw down just a little bit. And I'm really hoping that's where this leads. Give Adam Cole and Roderick Strong a singles matchup, maybe even before this upcoming takeover, just so they're on the same track when it comes to future opportunities for each prospective member. And just let Roddy and Adam Cole beat the crap out of each other and then possibly hug it out at the end. I don't want to see the dude crew in such tension. I don't want to see the foundation of Undisputed Era fall apart. Booking factions is such a lost art in the world of pro wrestling. I don't want to see one of the best in NXT history break up. I'm not for it. I want to see Undisputed Era go up as a whole with an absolute hostile takeover, pun completely intended, of Raw or SmackDown, wherever they end up being shaken up too. That does it for my coverage on the first two weeks of May NXT television. I'm drifting into a little bit longer of an episode than I am used to, but episode 85, I do like to make things special. (sighs) I'm not sure if I wanted to go out of my way to talk about the Superstar Shake-Up, but due to this past week on Monday Night Raw, on the May 6th episode of Raw with Vince McMahon introducing this wild card rule. I'm not even sure if it's worth pointing out which superstars have been shaken up to SmackDown Live and Raw respectively. I do want to say that Tyler Breeze is back in the world of NXT. Obviously, we had not seen him on television at this point. We did see him get his crack at the North American Championship, but... Breeze back to NXT, I'm really thinking that it's for the best because that's where the Prince Pretty gimmick really, really shone through. Uh, What else? We got the Singh Brothers on 205 Live. Interesting concept. I'm really wondering if that's going to break open the barrier for a 
possible cruiserweight tag team championship opportunity, a concept that I personally watched as a kid not work on WCW. Granted, I believe it happens the last possible week of Monday Night Nitro. I think I learned that on the Rey Mysterio DVD. So him and Billy Kidman got to keep the actual belts and not just replicas of their title reigns. So I thought that was cool. So maybe the Singh brothers joining and sparking this rivalry with the Lucha House Party could open up some opportunity for an additional Cruiserweight Tag Team title on 205 Live. Screw it, I'm going to jump into it anyway, just to uh, just because there are some former NXT talents in here, and I do want to give my thoughts on where they could possibly end up due to their being shaken up. Roman Reigns, Intercontinental Champion Finn Balor, Elias, Bailey, Ember Moon, Kyrie Sane, Lars Sullivan, the best-kept secret Buddy Murphy, Jersey's own Liv Morgan, Chad Gable, Apollo Crews, Mickey James, and Heavy Machinery have been moved to SmackDown Live. I'm really hoping that Bailey gets the chance to shine through as a single star once again. Ember Moon, I'm really hoping she can be considered a credible contender in the world of WWE. Unbelievable matches with Asuka. You really thought for a second that she would be the one to dethrone Asuka in the undefeated streak of over 525 days as champion. Really hoping good things for those two. The weakness of the SmackDown Live tag team division right now hopefully opens up the door for Otis and Tucker to really step it up and get their time to shine. Stakes and weights, baby. Really hoping for some really good opportunity, especially considering who the new SmackDown Live tag team champions are. Not going to get into spoilers of the main roster shows there. Oh, and uh, I have some older information that I'm looking at here, but how could I forget? Aleister Black. On SmackDown Live now. Alistair possibly rekindle an old rivalry with Andrade. I wouldn't be totally upset with that. But Alistair Black's promos as of late, kind of enigmatic. Kind of not exactly saying what he means, but definitely getting the message across. I thought this past week on SmackDown Live was delivered way better than uh, than the first couple weeks that we got to see it. I think the message of absolving himself of his own personal demons while absolving his opponent of their sins. Definitely a step in the right direction, kind of where the character was in the Johnny Gargano rivalry over the summer. And the following superstars moving the jump to Monday Night Raw. AJ Styles, The Miz, former North American champion in NXT, Ricochet, the Viking War rating experience of Hanson and Rowe, now going as Ivar and Eric respectively. Rey Mysterio, The Usos, Naomi, EC3, who, if anybody has seen EC3, please, please report him to Monday Night Raw. Please get this man some television time where he actually gets a chance to speak coherently with some direction. Give the guy a rivalry. The top one percenter, it's not that hard. Make EC3 the babyface to the now Robert Roode's rich side of gimmick. Ha- just have a war among the bourgeois between EC3 and Rod- and uh, Robert Roode. I thought that would be great. Lacey Evans making an impact and number one contender for the Raw women's title. Really actually looking forward to that match at Money in the Bank. Eric Young, I mentioned and complained about where sanity ended and where Eric Young has been 
since then, and Cedric Alexander took his first loss on Monday Night Raw and has not been seen since. So the shakeup, kind of a moot point, but I did want to give it out there just because some of these guys are shining, at, and ladies, are shining as single stars. Now, Aleister Black being separated from the tag team of Ricochet, which I thought was enjoyable for as long as it did last. Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Cup winners, but I really think these two guys deserve to shine as singles stars. They are way too brilliant in their own right to be, and I don't mean this with any disrespect, bogged down into a tag team division. Really hoping to see more of where Aleister Black can shine as a single star on SmackDown and what is in store for Ricochet on Raw. Let's jump over to the Twitter for any comments that may have been thrown for episode 85. And oh, here's a good one. House Reigns at I Follow WWE. So you know what this guy's all about. Special shout out to him for dropping this tidbit of information. I did I did kind of mention that it should be about the first two episodes of May in this respect, but this was way too good of a point not to mention. At I Follow WWE writes, I think Buddy Murphy may have had NXT television match of the year. And I got to tell you, an intense North American championship match, just the way it was brought up, just Velveteen Dream waiting on the outside during WrestleMania to ridicule Murphy about losing the Cruiserweight Championship to Tony Nese in his hometown. Tony Nese's hometown. We, of course, know Buddy Murphy is the first ever Australian champion in WWE. Buddy Murphy had television match of the year, and having a great match with Velveteen Dream, it's definitely a contender, and that is no secret. So thank you to at I Follow WWE for dropping a great point about the juggernaut, Buddy Murphy. The Smart and Friends podcast, uh, let me get their at name, yeah, symbol, at Smart and Friends writes, patiently waiting for 3.0 to make their NXT debut, which they hear is soon. And again, I don't read the taping spoilers. I don't know if this is a debut to come in the upcoming weeks of NXT. I'm not sure if they're the Viking Raiders' first opponents for next week. Uh, but yeah, I know I know the name. I'm not really familiar with their work, with all transparency, but I do know the name from my research into CZW and I've had a couple friends go to Chikara events and take pictures, so I've seen their names on that roster as well. Really looking for some rebuilds in the NXT Tag Team Division. The Street Profits with a very impressive championship match with the War Raiders just a couple of weeks ago. And where the Viking Raiders end up as far as full-timing it on Monday Night Raw, NXT is going to be looking for some new tag teams very, very soon. So, really, uh, really, really looking forward to where 3.0 can land in the tag team division. I know there are a couple of Canadian guys and Canadian tag teams have done very well in the past. Shout out to Edge and Christian. Uh, that's it on the Twitter for now. I mean, I just posted that a little while ago before I started recording. I probably didn't give it ample time, but on episode 86, if any backtrack points that I have to get to, I will definitely be sure to mention. Just some outside news in the world of NXT. I love this working relationship that NXT has 
with Evolve. Evolve, well, former former champions featured on NXT, and I guess now NXT UK as well. Fabian Eichner is a former Evolve heavyweight champion. The Street Profits, just talked about them. They are former Evolve tag team champions. And now I have learned that Adam Cole, baby, and Cassius Ono are headed to Evolve 127 this Friday in Livonia, Livonia, Michigan. Wow, just totally blanked on my on my state abbreviations there. Doing America well there. And Evolve 128 on Saturday in Indianapolis, Indiana. Should be a couple of great grandstand appearances. Unfortunately, not within traveling distance of me. But if anybody in the area is planning on attending those events, want to send me a couple of notes or a couple of tweets summarizing the events and more specifically Adam Cole and Cassius Ono's respective matches, I am definitely open to more interaction. And I cannot thank everybody for more interaction. Guys, the Twitter has been great so far. I know it's been a while since I put out an episode. I kind of feel like that friend. You ever send a friend a text message of, yo, what are you doing tonight? And they don't get back to you. And you see them share something on Facebook or you see them tweet about how bored they are. That's me because I've been up on the wrestling discussion. I just haven't found the opportunity or honestly mental strength to put together a decent episode but I am feeling confident on this Thursday morning. I thank you for spending the last hour or so with me. No matter how much you've listened to of this show, no matter how long you've been a fan, whether this was your first week of checking out the Undisputed Future podcast, I'm really, really humbled by the amount of fan support that I have gotten over the past 85 episodes. I've had this going since NXT TakeOver Orlando. There is absolutely no intentions of stopping the podcast at all. Of course, that is due to what may what may rear its head as far as the world of my career is concerned. But I'm all about the fan interaction. Keep watching wrestling and watch along and talk about it along with me. Let me give you these social media handles. At podcast underscore UF is the Twitter. It's my main source of outreach. There's a lot to talk about on wrestling Twitter. And I got to tell you, before this week's edition of NXT television... It was really getting frustrating seeing all the negativity going on with WWE programming and their fans. Rightfully so. I'm, I'm not going to censor anybody. I'm not going to say anybody's opinion or perception is wrong. But I'm all about positivity and fan-driven discussion. And that's why I choose to talk about the best brand in professional wrestling right now. And that is NXT. So at podcast underscore UF, keep reaching out and keep giving me your NX takes. At Undisputed Future Podcast, all one word is the Instagram. I've been kind of slipping on the wrestling memes as of late. I've been trying to repost some good talking points WWE's NXT account has of their own. And you'll, of course, see pictures of Colin, the Velveteen Dog, who is currently taking a nap on the couch right above his WWE ring bed. And this is such a cute picture. I think I'm going to go up and head and post this right after I'm done on the mic here. Uh, be sure to give the Facebook page a like, not really paying attention to that, not really a fan of Facebook lately, but, uh, there's some great Facebook interaction and there's a lot of great wrestling communities on there and special shout out to the comedians of wrestling podcast, a Facebook group that I personally belong to and cannot get enough of fan interaction on that one. Thank you for listening to the show on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it's iTunes 
Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, my most popular advertised site, CastBox FM, um, any Amazon Alexa app I might be featured on. Any way you're listening to this show, I can, I'm really humbled by the support. I really, I, I can't believe that people are listening to my professional wrestling takes. And this is honestly a really, it, it's my most fun hobby. It's really something I look forward to doing. And I really cannot thank each and every single one of you for the support. Thank you to longtime listener and fan Brett Perry out in Vegas, Sin City's own. Dude, just, just the fact that you thought of me enough to say, hey, at podcast underscore UF, great show. I'm really happy to hear you back on the saddle. You have no idea what that did for my confidence and to realize that people look forward to the show and want more NXT discussion. So special shout out to Brett. Uh, really can't thank you enough, brother. Thank you for the continued support all the way from New York City. That will do it for episode 85. Thanks for hanging with me for the past hour. Keep watching wrestling. Have an unbelievably great week, and I wish you all all the best.